0: Bismillah al-Rahman al-Rahim. Alhamdulillah, Rabbi al والصلاة والسلام على رسوله سيدنا محمد Wa آله وصحبه وبعد. <coughs> Lesson ten: Finding and properly benefiting from guidance on one's spiritual path. قال الله تعالى: ومن يشاقق الرسولَ من بعدِ ما تبيَّنَ لَهُ الهُدىَ ويتبعُ غيرَ السبيلِ المؤمنينَ نولِهِ ما تولَى جهنمَ وسأت Allah Most High says Nisa: Whoever descends with the Messenger after the path of guidance has been made clear to him and follows a path other than that of the believers, we shall give him over to whatever he gives his allegiance to and we shall roast him in the hellfire uh, and such a terrible fate it is. The idea is what? The idea is that in the spiritual path, you can't be a freestyler, you can't be a unique and special snowflake butterfly that uh, uh, you know uh, charts your own way. Uh, unfortunately, the, the, the hadith that describes such a person is Manshada شَدَّ The person who, is, who wants to be different, that person will be different and unique in the fire. Uh, the Prophet wasallam, and then afterward his Ummah, uh, uh, which is represented by who? By the people who are the inheritors of this tradition. Uh, those are the people that you are going to learn from and you are going to benefit from. And uh, uh, the idea is that this is a path which is inspired by wahi, which is inspired by, by revelation. And revelation, one of the characteristics of revelation is it teaches those things that a person can't figure out on their own. And, uh, uh, you know, spirituality is not only for Muslims. Hitler was a very spiritual person. He was an evil person. he gave give weird bans for like hours on end without flinching. And people were mesmerized. Right, Fir'aun was a spiritual person people would be mesmerized by the the, the things that these people would say uh, uh, but they use their spirituality for evil and uh, there, is, there is a spiritual connection that people have with one another and it's not always good and uh, uh, spirituality without deen I don't say without religion but without the deen of Allah Ta'ala which is only one deen there's no other deen other than it Right, the spirituality without deen it's like uh, a man and woman enjoying relations with one another without marriage. If you have no limits, if you have no, uh, uh, no rules, if you have no structure from which to uh, uh, ensure that things are happening properly, then the enjoyment of spirituality is like uh, uh, the nadir of like committing zina. It's like fornication. There's no khair that's going to come from it. There are sicknesses that will come from it. There are derangements that will come from it, and people will miss miss the point of of spirituality. Um, uh, that's why I mean, there are many habits of spiritual people, people who are you know con- con- conscious of using their time properly people who take time to meditate in their day people who don't indulge uh, in, in their in their shahawat uh, they don't indulge themselves in their shahawat like like animals rather they control themselves these are all practices of spiritual people there's a lot of khair in it even kuffar benefit from these things but the idea is what's the point of going through any of it and benefiting and making a good life for yourself in this world if on the other side there's no you know you show up empty handed there's no it should be like clear to people that that's there's no khair in that there's no there's no there's no good in it it's just as bad as just not you know just living life like an animal in the first place um, and so the path of uh, of guidance is what it's the path that the believers are on so anybody who uh, their spirituality teaches that everyone is misguided except for me and my sheikh uh, those people are this is a clear sign that those people are people to stay away from anyone who follows the well-trodden path uh, they should know that the 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 way of the Ahlus Sunnah, which is the most authentic representation of the the spiritual path of Rasulullah ﷺ, is something that is embraced and championed by uh, by the true people of Tasawuf. And uh, 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 without that, all of the spiritual teachings of Islam are 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 utterly useless. They're completely useless in the sense that they may get you something in this dunya, but in the, the hereafter, it's, there's not going to be anything good that comes from it, which is Shown by this ayah of the book of Allah subhanahu wa taala, which is what, nwal lihi matawalla. Whoever seeks authority other than the way of the 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 the, the Prophet sallallahu wa wasallam and the the believers, that person, whatever authority he seeks, Allah taala says, I give that person over to that authority, and in the hereafter they'll be roasted in the in the hell fire. And what a horrible fate! Uh, what a horrible fate that is! And uh, that's It should be obvious to everybody that that's not a good thing. Now it's interesting that the ayat, you know, depending on the context that you're reading them and the ayat have different, uh, um, they have different significances. So this ayah, in, 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 in terms of fiqh, in the fiqhi tafsir, in the legal tafsir of the Quran, this ayah is actually a proof for ijma' being uh, 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 a binding legal proof uh, in Islam. The idea is that if the believers are all going on one path and a person deviates from that path, that that person will go to hell it's a sign that if all the believers are 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 unanimous on a certain issue that 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 issue is right and uh, you can learn from your usulul Fiqh class you know in more detail what does that mean but in terms of seeking guidance on the spiritual path you know that if somebody people this happens sometimes people's spiritual experiences overwhelm them they overwhelm their their intellects as well. So someone sees some sort of weird dream in which whatever, they misinterpret what it means, but it's such an amazing and overpowering experience for them that they think that somehow they've reached some sort of maqam that they didn't. Uh, There's a story about uh, uh, Imam Junaid uh, 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 al-Baghdadi. He was a great uh, sheikh and imam of our tradition, especially in in, in Tasawuf and matters of spirituality and uh his entire majlis that he used to sit in uh it was one of those uh, you know type of majlis that someone he would sit for a band people literally janazes would leave from his from his uh, from his uh, majlis and from his halaqah but uh, he he uh, uh imam junaid was uh, such a person that they say that even the Adana person the lowest person who used to sit in his majlis used to be a wali of allah that uh, one of his students once uh, stopped coming to the coming to the to, to the gathering. And so Imam Junaid saw him somewhere in Baghdad and he says, you know, you stop coming to to our gathering. So that person, you know, he smugly said to him, he says, Yeah, uh, Allah Ta'ala reward you. I used to benefit from, you know, uh from attending your gathering, you know, back in the day. But he, what he's trying to say is like, Yeah, no, I've made it now. Like I don't need to hang out with you no more, right? But he tried to say it like with some good adab and things like that. Uh um and so Imam Junaid says to him, he says, okay, I, you know, I get it, Like I understand what you're trying to say, uh, just do me a favor. He says, because that person, he used to see dreams of Jannah every night. He would see the dreams that he's in Jannah and all the na- na'im and ni'mah of it and things like that, all the blessings of Jannah. So he thought, I've made it now, I don't, know, I don't have to you know, sit with the shaykh no more. So the shaykh intuited this. And so he says to him, without having been told, he says, Okay, well, next time you see a nice dream, do me a favor. Say three times, أَعُوذُ Tell me how it turns out. So he sees a dream that night in which he's in Jannah, and uh, he's, uh, he's kissing uh, one of the hurain of Jannah. And uh, uh, he remembered what, what the sheikh said, so he said, we may as well try it out, what's the harm, right? So he says, "I seek refuge with Allah subhanahu wa taala with the accursed Shaytan." Uh, he said it three times, and uh, 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 he opens his eyes again, and he sees he's laying in a garbage dumpster, and a dog is licking him. And so he came back to the Sheikh and said, "Yeah, sorry about that. I'm going to be attending your majlis from now on." <laughs> 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 so uh, uh, yeah, it's. Anyway, it's 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 important that that a person a person keep uh, uh, keep always the shadow of somebody who is further uh, along the path uh, than them over their head, because it, what it protects a person from the nafs getting the upper hand and starting to think itself something, which itself is a is, is very problematic. Um, and that's why some of the old mashaykh they used to even sometimes they would go to people who they they knew are going to be rough on them and harsh on them. Why? Just because it keeps the nafs, nafs in check, if, if nothing else. Uh, but it's always important to keep uh, 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 keep guidance on the path and not to be a, a free agent. Um, because this is a silsila, it's a chain that comes through the Prophet wasallam. Rasulullah wasallam said that, he said that, din. That, qasimun that, that whoever Allah Ta'ala wishes good for, he gives them a clear understanding of the deen. And I'm the distributor, Allah is the one who gives. So if someone doesn't have the license to carry, you know, the iPhone, then you're not going to find it at, at their store. You might find something else, but you're not going to find what you're looking for. The authorized distributor is who? Rasulullah And then he has his authorized uh, uh, khulafa that, that you know, dish these things out. You may Someone may claim to be one of them, and one day you find out that they're really not what they, they claim they were that happens but the idea that you don't need to go through that chain in order to get this uh, this thing uh, that idea is a, is a, is a, a, a non-starter it's it's a fail from the beginning one said that abi musa radiyallahu ta'ala anhu an-nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam qala mathalul jalis as-salihi was-su'i kahamil hamilil miski wa-nafikhil wa keer uh, fa-hamilul miski imma an uh, uh, yuhdiyaka wa imma an uh, uh, atba'a minhu Kiri uh, uh, أَنْ تَجِدَ مِنْهُ رِيحًا an وَالنَافِقُ إِمَّا أَنْ يُحْرِقَ ثِيَابَكَ وَإِمَّا أَنْ تَجِدَ رِيحًا مُتَّفَقٌ عَلَيْهِ Sayyidina Abu Musa al-Ash'ari radiyallahu ta'ala anhu He was one of the companions of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi from Yemen and uh, he was the only, the only companion who made hijrah three times He met the Prophet ﷺ when uh, visiting the house of Allah Ta'ala and he accepted the deen at his hands. Most people, Rasulullah ﷺ, in those days, whoever would accept the deen, most of them he would send them back. He would say, here, La ilaha illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah. He wouldn't tell them a word after that. Just go wait for me one day. This is is, uh, Amr bin Abasa. This is what happened to him. That he he Rasulullah sallallahu said go back to your people and just wait wait for the news one day Allah Taala will uh, make us powerful then come uh, don't don't come before that because you can't deal with the difficulties that you're going to go through so there are very few people someone like uh, uh, someone like Abu Zar al Rifari uh, who they almost killed several times uh, uh, and someone like Abu Musa uh, the people who could handle it Rasulullah sallallahu gave them ijazah to uh, to make hijrah so he came. Uh, to the prophet sallallahu first made hijrah from yemen to makka Mukarramah then from makka Mukarramah to abyssinia and then uh, to medina munawwara and he was a very beloved companion his old tribe his old people they accepted islam at his hands he sent him back to be a governor over the people of yemen he's a person of great fadail of great virtues it was one of the one of the uh, uh, um, the the uh, people came to the prophet sallallahu wasallam and asked for uh, money for sadaqah Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi sallam said I don't have any money uh, but I can give you some advice and those people got upset they said you just keep your advice they left so Sayyidina Abu Musa says ya Rasulullah I can I have the advice and so the prophet sallallahu was very pleased with him and he praised him and he praised his people uh uh and and, and This is something also like I want you to remember, right? Everything nowadays is like people's history of the United States. The entire world goes round because of money or whatever. First of all, anyone who says that money makes the world goes round has a very poor understanding of physics and astronomy. Uh, The second thing is what? Is that money isn't everything. It may be a lot, but it's not everything. Uh, And it, it doesn't tell the whole story. It may tell a very integral part of the story. But even money—the effect it has on people—when people say money, you trace the money, and you'll, you you know—it'll tell the, the story. The reason it's like that is because of the people's love of the money. Everything starts with the heart. Uh, if people didn't love it that much, there were people, and you know, that they didn't like the Christopher Columbus comes to the the Caribbean, and the people are wondering why is this guy so obsessed with gold and things like that. Like, they didn't understand; they didn't get it. Uh, it just wasn't that big of a deal for them. They also had to like eat food and like live and things like that. But they just didn't get why this person was so obsessed with, with all of this money. Uh, Allah have mercy on them. There's an entire civilization behind him who came and messed things up for for them. But uh, you know, what can we do? That's the khadr of Allah Ta'ala. The idea is what? Is that uh, um, Abu Musa al-Ash'ari radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he was a person who wasn't like that. Who wasn't like the, those jahili people who said you can keep your advice. Right? when it comes to the messenger of Allah وسلم, especially there's a lot of things that are more important than the money um, and the proof is that they did everything being utterly broke in a way that none of us can imagine uh, but they still changed the world uh, uh, and we need to we need to remember that sometimes we also sometimes we become a little bit more money-centric we you know we do it in a pious way by being like oh if I had so much money then I would fund the Masjid then I would this I would that yeah it's important you need all of those things I get it but um, it's not the, the the money that's the foundational thing. It's the rectification inside. Once what's inside the heart is rectified, then that rectification will flow out into all of the things in the dunya. But if what's inside is rotten, then that rottenness will infect whatever other things that we do on the outside. So Abu Musa al-Ashari radiAllahu ta'ala anhu, the Prophet sallAllahu alaihi wasallam said uh, uh, in his narration that the likeness of a a, a righteous companion. Uh, and a an evil companion is uh, like the like likeness of a, 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 a perfumer who sells musk uh, and the likeness of a a blacksmith who works the bellows right? you know the bellows the pump that keep pushing air into the into the furnace of the blacksmith that makes it burn hotter uh, so it can burn hot enough to uh, um, melt melt metal or to uh, make it uh, make it uh, glow with heat. Um, as for the the, the perfumer, uh, he might give you like a free sample, or uh, you might be able to buy something from him that will make you smell nice, uh, or uh, uh, at least you know if, if you don't have any money and he's not going to give you anything, at least his shop smells nice. At least while you're with him, you're, you enjoy uh, you enjoy uh, what, what he has to offer. Um, by the way, it's a sunnah to smell nice. Uh, and you know the perfumes that the Muslims have are are much superior to anything that you'll find at the department store, and it's considered an act of salākah. It's not a waste of money, so don't buy the bathroom cleaner uh, type stuff. If you don't have like ten thousand uh, dollars for a tola of like the highest uh, type of uud, uh, then don't 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 spend that. That's fine, but uh, for a decent amount of money, you can at least make yourself smell nice on jumuah um, uh, uh, and uh, the the perfume for the sisters is different than the perfume for the brothers. In the time of Rasulullah ﷺ, the the women also used to wear perfumes, but their perfumes were like saffron. Saffron is something that that uh, they they used to find that color looks nice. It has a little bit of a yellowish color that that applied to the skin it used to look nice uh, 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 to them, uh, and it has a slight it has a slight uh, uh, um, it has a slight uh, 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 fragrance that can be smelled from close, not from afar. Uh, whereas if someone puts on something like rose or like oud, you can smell it from relatively far away. Any of you who puts on perfume uh, and then afterward you know, goes around and tries to be smelled by like women and things like that, know that it's bad enough to do something haram. Using the sunnah to do something haram is going to like doubly get you smacked down so if that happens don't blame me afterward i warned you this is for the masjid and things like that this is not for uh, this is not for uh using for evil purposes but the idea is that yeah it's it's a good dawah i think probably better than any pamphlet that's ever been written is that you have like a beard or whatever and you walk by and you know someone smells something nice and then they put two and two together that this person smells nice um because smell is a very uh primal uh, and instinctual sense that's why I think we have very few words for how things smell it's just it smells good <laughs> um, but anyway khair. Uh, but back to the hadith the, the likeness of a good companion is like a person who smells nice um, that either he'll give you some, uh, 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 give, give you some of the uh, perfume or you can buy it from them, or at least while you're with, with him, it, it'll smell nice. And the likeness of uh, the likeness of the, uh, uh, the, the blacksmith, uh, either either he will strike the metal and a spark will come and burn a hole in your clothes, uh, or even if you save your clothes from being burned or being uh, blackened with soot. Um, it's it smells horrible. It's bad for your respiratory system. You'll you'll suffer the damage from it. Uh, and so people should be careful who they spend their time with, who their children spend their time with, who their loved ones sp- spend their time with. Um, even if you don't accept their their way, the the, the, the blackness of their state, it will it will uh, uh, it will harm you. It will harm you and some of us are obliged because of school and work to spend time with people and the thing is that the worst state a person can be in is kufr a person who wakes up in the morning and doesn't remember Allah Ta'ala and goes to sleep at night and doesn't remember Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala that person is dead according to the Qur'anic metaphor that person is dead in fact they're not just dead because a real dead person at least you know they're dead that person is a mockery of life and we ask Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala this is one of the miracles of the Qur'an is that a person who's in such a state Allah Ta'ala can give them life still that they can still receive guidance, and so that's why we uh, we pray f- to Allah Taala for their guidance, and we uh, remove whatever obstacles we can for their guidance. Should they choose to, should they, should Allah Taala choose to give them life, and that that they come back, that it's as e- easy as possible. But the the heart that doesn't remember Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala is dead, and the body that's around that dead heart, um, that body is not not just uh, uh, dead; it's a mockery of life. That's not a way to live. It's a mockery of life, and that, that state is a type of blackness and darkness that, uh, um, that, that's harmful for a person. So, if a person is in that state, or in the sorry, is, is surrounded by people who are in that state all the time, uh, then you have to treat yourself for it when you get home. You have to treat yourself for it, which means that one of the days of the week you should take and, and, and segregate yourself from those people and not just segregate yourself from those people. You should make the dhikr of Allah Ta'ala or the ibadah of Allah Ta'ala, whether through fasting or whether through the recitation of the Qur'an or whether you know spending time in the masjid you know from Asr until Maghrib or something like that. Every day, some minutes, and every week, a day, every month, some days. You should take every year, you should take some time in order to purge that uh, purge that ill effect from the heart. Uh, um, sure, so purge that purge that ill effect from the heart because it does have an effect. It does have an effect, and uh, 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 you know we always thank Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala for giving us guidance, and we don't look down on other people just because we know that Allah Taala can take what we have away from us, and He can give what what we have to them as well so this is sufficient in, in terms of protecting yourself from arrogance uh and looking down on other people but the idea is for now for now you have this guidance and other people don't uh, until that changes a person needs to be cognizant and, and uh, you know of the effect that they have on them and take uh, uh, measures to protect themselves lest they uh, slip into uh, slip into that state said Abdullah <laughs> ibn ta'ala anhuma qala qala الله sallallahu alayhi wa sallam الْبَرَكَةُ مَعَا أَكَابْرِكُمْ رَوَاهُ حَاكِمْ وَإِبْنُ This is a very, short, a very short hadith in which there is a, a lot of meaning. So you can memorize it inshallah. It's a sahih hadith. أَكَابْرِكُمْ so, The barakah is in, in your great ones. Great ones meaning what? M- not Not your great ones in terms of money or wealth or size or age. It's like this in many languages, you don't describe people as old. English is strange in that you describe people as old. Generally old, in, like in Persian and in Arabic and things like that, is for things. For people, you say they're big. Meaning, what? it's a, it's a more polite way of, 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 of saying that that person is old. Um, and so, here the akabir are not just people who have years under their belt, but people who are great with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the barakah of this ummah is with who who's the greatest one in the ummah, Rasulullah ﷺ. And then after him, I feel your pain. If you want, I totally don't mind if you go get a coffee. No, no, that's fine too. inshallah. I just I see you phasing in and out, and I I don't. I, mashallah, I think it's good to have adab and majlis. But like if someone's in pain, I don't like it. Doesn't freak me out if somebody needs to get a stretch or something like that. You know. Uh, sorry to, sorry to, bring it up. Uh, at any rate, the, the f- greatest one is the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa then his sahaba radiallahu anhum, the greatest of whom are the khulafa rashidun, and then after that the ashara mubashireen bil jannah, and then after that the muhajirun, and then after that the ansar Anhum, and then after that the rest of the sahaba radiallahu anhum. In every generation there are great people, those who are great with Allah ta'ala. So how do you know today who is great with Allah ta'ala? You look at the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu that describes good people the people who have the, the, carry the state of the Prophet wasallam inwardly and outwardly, the people who are people of dhikr, the people who are people of honesty, uprightness, that you see in their life that they actually practice what they preach, etc., etc. Uh, the people who are gifted with sacred knowledge, etc. Um, and even amongst them there are then ranks. The barakah is in staying with the, the your your great ones, not being separated rather, and, and staying with them. Even in ilm, uh, our mashayikh used to tell us, read the books of the mutaqaddimin Read the books of the old mashaykh first, and then you can read the books of modern people. The benefit in the books of the, the, the later mashaykh is what? There are certain things that were understood or taken for granted, understandings that were taken for granted in the old books that uh, need to be delineated because they're not as obvious anymore. But the issue is this is that the further and further people get from revelation, the more watered down everything becomes. So you start with the, 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 the purest source, and then you glean then later on what, whatever you didn't get from the from the higher level and the lower levels um, that's that's the idea even as a student of knowledge for what you should do so obviously you cannot learn how to you cannot learn how to be in a day to day sense from people who have passed away a thousand years ago so look in your Dallas who are the people who are uh, are the ones that that uh, uh, you know exemplified this. Um, exemplify this uh, this this uh, uh, state of being great with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you may make a wrong decision, you may find out this person's not as great as I thought they were later on <laughs> that's fine, you can switch later, you know, and you don't have to tell a person yeah Shaykh, you know, I thought you were wonderful but then I realized you're not and I'm not hanging out with you anymore you should have some adab mashallah but uh, still, you know, you can, it's okay this happens, this happens, it happened in the past it still happens, it will happen the person who thinks that they're the greatest, that's the one who has a problem. Otherwise, uh, that's what the Masha'i say. They say that the one who has no sheikh, their sheikh is shaitan. And they say that the person who takes a cat as their sheikh, that person is still more guided than the one who has no sheikh at all. Because to convince a person that this cat knows nothing about the deen, you should probably take someone who's more learned. It's a, it's a slight adjustment. The adjustment from from... Getting a person to have to admit that there's someone bigger in this world than my own nafs, that's very difficult. That's very difficult. Uh, uh, and so I don't say, you know, blindly follow whoever you come across, uh, because there's some difficulty and problems in that as well. But uh, it's uh, the greatest problem is what? The person who uh, their nafs becomes their idol. <laughs> Uh, have you seen the person who makes their own desires into their God? That's a very tricky issue, and this is one thing I, you know, one of the, one of the the scholars from Turkey, Doctor Rajab Shantor, Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, give him tawfiq. Uh, Doctor Rajab, he said this. He, he he said this. He says that this is a very interesting issue, right? The person who makes their own desires into their own God. Um, this is not a aqidah issue. Because there's nobody in the history of mankind who, who formally wrote down that I worship my desires. And it's not a fiqh issue either. What is it? It's just, a, it describes a, a type of corruption in the heart that's so basic, that uh, uh, it's so like, it's at such a deep level, that uh, it, it, it's, not, it's not something that can be dealt with through these other things neatly. That's one of the things he said, that, that this is, this is the This is the only thing that can deal with uh, issues like this. So that corruption of a person taking their nafs as like the highest authority in the world, um, that's a level of corruption that, that can't easily be undone. And unfortunately, the age we live in is completely driving people toward that not to accept any authority from anybody, accept any advice from anybody, not to accept any commandment from anybody. And the idea is that, uh, you know, if you, if you don't accept any authority in the world, then the greatest authority is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So you're going to double hate Allah ta'ala uh, uh, more than the hate for anything else in this world. And that's a really bad place to be. Spiritually, it's a very bad place to be. Allah ta'ala be our protection. So we uh, get to the next chapter, then, lesson 11... Vehicles of ascent, and Nawafil. So this is a chapter with regards to uh, uh, regards to what regards to how are you going to progress in the spiritual path toward your goal. So the basic the basic and the most important prime objective of Islam is what It's that a person should attain salvation, that Qiyamah, that you should not be going to the hellfire forever. If you end up in the hellfire forever, everything else you did in your life, completely worthless. You can build a hundred masajid, you can pray all night, you can have a tasbih that's fancier than anyone else's tasbih, you can use it, you can do all, all sorts of stuff. It's going to be all completely worthless. So that's the the, 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 the the basic and the most important objective. What is the highest objective of, of, of Islam for a human being? It's described in this in this uh, hadith uh, Qudsi uh, of the Prophet wasallam. It's a very beautiful hadith. Um, and it's uh, uh there's there's a, there's a lot a lot of خير and there's a lot of meaning in it and said abi hurayrah radhiyallahu anhu qala qala rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam inna allaha ta'ala qala man 'ada li waliyan faqad a'zantuhu bil harb wa ma taqarraba ilayya 'abdi bishay'in uhabba ilayya mimma aftaradtu alayhi wa ma ilayya bin hatta uhibbahu فإذا احببته كنت سمعه الذي يسمع به وبصره الذي يبصر به ويده التي يبطش بها ورجله التي يمشي بها وان سالني لاعطيه لاعطينه This is a mistake inshallah وان سالني لاعطينه ولا ان استعاذني لاعيذنه رواه البخاري uh, وَمَعْنَىٰ آذَنْتُهُ أَعْلَمْتُهُ بِأَنِّي مُحَارِبٌ لَهُ وَقَوْلُهُ إِسْتَعَذَنِي رُوِيَ بالباء وِرُوِيَ بِالنُّونَ So it's either إِسْتَعَذَنِي or إِسْتَعَذَ بِي in certain riwayat. Both of them mean the same thing. <coughs> Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu narrates this a hadith of Bukhari that uh, uh, the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu said, Indeed Allah Most High said, Whoever, whoever takes a, a friend of mine as an enemy, I declare war on them. <clears throat> this is only two sins that I know of in which Allah Ta'ala declares war on a person. One is in the Qur'an, the person who transacts in the money of, uh, of usury. Uh, and the second is, uh, is to make someone who Allah loves into your enemy. Uh, and this is something important to understand. It's the Aqidah, the al Sunnah wal Jama'ah. It's literally said explicitly in the Aqidah Tahawiyah that everyone who says La ilaha illallah is Allah's friend. The wilayah of Allah Ta'ala has different levels. The ground level of which is to testify that there's no God except for Allah and that Muhammad Sallallahu Wasallam is his messenger. Now if a person is a, a, a munafiq in saying that, then that's a secret between them and Allah Ta'ala. But for us, we should be very careful not to take the enmity up of any other Muslim. Because you may not like them, you may hate them, but bad news for you, Allah Ta'ala loves them, so you're stuck. And what did Allah Ta'ala say? He says, whoever takes a friend of mine as an enemy, I declare war on them. And the greater the, 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 the friendship of that person with Allah Ta'ala is, the more severe that, that, uh, that, that declaration of war is. And so, let a person uh, let a person be very wary. And this is unfortunately a time in which we, uh, uh, in which we live, that people are, you know, they don't care about these things anymore. So, somebody uh, uh, will be a person who's made khidmah of the deen for their whole life, and somebody will that person will say something. Everyone is a human being still, right? We, we are is what there's no one's infallible after the anbiya Aliumus Salam. So, a person will make a mistake and people will completely like roast on them, uh, or feast on their, on their flesh and go crazy and nuts about it. Now, if a person makes a mistake, and they apologize, and you still uh, uh, talk garbage about them, then that's really bad. Um, and if a person makes a mistake, uh, or sorry, if a person didn't make a mistake, you just don't like what they're saying, they have a different opinion than you, then that's even worse. People make mistakes just because a person spent their whole life in the service of the dean doesn't mean if they harm another person that it's okay, or that that person doesn't have the right to recourse, or doesn't have the right to justice, or to be uh, uh, recompensed or, or for whatever harm was done to them. But to hate that person then afterward, after that process has taken place, this is really bad. And more often than not, I see what I see is that oftentimes people they just won't like something someone did or someone something someone said. Uh, even though it's just a difference of opinion, this is one of the signs of Nifaq, right? With a Khasim of fajr, that if you, if the munafiq is one, uh, is a person if they, if they disagree with someone, they let that disagreement exceed all bounds. Which is what, uh, you know, uh, sheikh so and so, uh, you know, decided not to accept the invitation to come to your masjid and do a program on such and such weekend. You know, because he's not feeling well. Well, he went to the other masjid and he seemed just fine and he this and he, man, maybe you just didn't want to, you know, whatever. Come to your masjid, right? His brother so-and-so was like, you know, you asked him to come to your party, but they were sick. Or sister so-and-so, you asked her, you know, if she could help you with your homework and she didn't or whatever, right? Those are not things that you have like a right over other people for. Maybe they just didn't, you know, they weren't able to help you that day. What if they just didn't want to help you? Are, is anyone obliged to be at the service of another person uh, uh, at a particular time or place? You know what I mean? So these are, these, are, these are issues people get into fights with one another. You should be very careful about these things. Um, if you find yourself having hatred for another uh, Muslim, this is a really big problem. This is a really big problem. It's one thing, okay, so-and-so brother, uh, you know, got up and gave a khutbah in the masjid about the virtues of eating pork. Okay, that's fine. That's a very clear violation of the sharia, and uh, uh, that's, a, that's a reason to, like, you know, not be cool with somebody. But a lot of these things have, they're not anything near, near uh, that clear cut. And so if you really, really dislike a person uh, um, because of some personal issue, or uh, you think it's because of a dean issue, but it's one of those things that you know they happen to people, and you can't. And rather than making du'a, you find yourself rather than making du'a for that person's rectification and guidance, you hope something bad happens to them. This is a real problem. This is a sign that 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 Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala in his uh, uh, in his uh, uh, you know uh, his attitude toward you, uh, he wishes for you uh, bad fate. Because you see the means to that bad end already inside of you, so someone will say, "Well, Shaykh, I don't want to go to Jahannam, and I respect this hadith a lot uh, and stuff, but like I really genuinely dislike so and so." Look, this is not about like people not getting along. That the 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 souls are all like an army uh, arranged in ranks. So whoever's rank is close to yours, you'll get along with that person. Whoever is far away that you don't know from the world of, of spirits, uh, you may not get along with them. This happens. There, there there may be a person who is a righteous person, a pious person. They just rub you the wrong way. You just like everything they say. You disagree with, uh, uh, and uh, uh, you know you just you just don't have fun with that person. That's fine. That happens, you know. And if you avoid a person because they just annoy you. That's okay as well. In fact, sometimes it's for the better. But there's a difference between that and being like, yeah, I just don't get along with that person. And there's a difference between like actually wanting ill to happen to somebody or, or really dislike, or going out of your way to say bad things about them or do, to make their life difficult or whatever. There's a difference between the two of them. If you find inside of your heart that you actually hate somebody uh, from the people of this ummah, um, this is a bad sign, but there are remedies for that. The first is to realize that this is not going to end well, which is what we're talking about right now in this hadith. The next thing is what? Is that uh, a person should, uh, uh, you know, attempt to uh, uh, actively, because you can't control your emotions oftentimes, but you can control your deeds. So actively try to, uh, uh, you know, do something good or say something nice to that person. Saying nice things to people is absolutely free, and it, it, it goes a long ways. Okay, so for example, uh, uh, you know, you, we, everybody looks at each other. You can find twenty things to criticize about the next person, and maybe only one thing that you could say nice about them. And it may be a stretch. Choose to say the one thing and leave. Choose to leave the twenty things. The world would be a better place if people just said nice stuff to each other. And some people think that oh, this is just like uh, you're just being a manafik because inside your heart you really hate that person. Your complete and unqualified sincerity only belongs to Allah Ta'ala. Any other human being, if you're that sincere with them, they're going to hate you. Don't be that sincere with them. Anyone who's married or looking to get married, don't be that sincere with your spouse unless you want to get something thrown at you. Why? Cuz that's for Allah Ta'ala. Don't you're even your parents, right? You don't have to tell them every single thing you did. If you know they're not going to like you coming to Dars, you don't have to like, stay home and not come to Dars. If they ask you, where did you go? And you stopped at Starbucks on the way over to Dars, say, yeah, I went with my friends and I went to Starbucks. And that's it. Why? Because that full level of disclosure and sincerity, it's only for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's not for anybody else. The rest of people, don't lie to them, but say things to them in a way that's not going to annoy them or like, make them like ballistic go through the roof. That's just part of being a good person. You're you're doing it out of concern for that person, so modify the way you speak with them. Try to say something nice to them next time you see them or whatever. Some people even that's not going to help. Even as as nice as you are to them, they're always going to react in some way that like completely makes you like upset and angry. It happens. What are you going to do about it? The last the last uh, uh, line of defense, which is a very uh, very powerful uh, very powerful one, is that that person even if you have to find yourself having to avoid seeing them in order to not make things escalate more, when you're away from them, sit and make dua for them. Grab your, grab your phone or your watch and your timer and just say, I'm going to sit for five minutes, for ten minutes and just make dua for them. Make dua for everything, for their dunya and for their akhira and for their kids and for their marriage and for their house and for their job and for their school and everything. When you've made dua for a person for just five minutes, uh, as much as you are able to, then naturally the heart will wish for their uh, wish for their well-being. And after that, if you need to avoid the person in order to not like hate them more, then go ahead and do so. And the rule for avoiding people is what: if that 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 you can only do it within a certain boundary. What is that boundary? If you see them and they, you should say salam to them. If they say salam to you, you should say wa as salam. And it's recommended afterward that you should. Cursory, like have a cursory amount of conversation. How's your family? How are your parents, etc. Uh, it was nice to see you. I have to go. So you don't just say Salam alikum. Okay, then the person will know you hate them, but you're just following the bare minimum of the Sharia. You dress it up a little bit, just you know, just so it's not that obvious. And uh, uh, but you know, if after like you know a couple of like questions and things like that about well-being, you bounce. Don't don't spend time with people who are going to annoy the snot out of you. It's just a waste of your time, and it's a waste of their time as well. If someone ever comes to you to hang out and, you don't, and they annoy you, don't, by all means don't hang out with them. But if anyone comes to you and needs help, then help them. Because even annoying people need help sometimes. And when you help them at that time, that will do a lot, go a long ways in order to uh, make the relationship between you and them better. This applies to relatives. This applies to a lot of different types of people. Uh, but you're not allowed to, if you see in your heart that there's like, you just feel like I really wish this guy would like, you know, like a car would run into him or something like that, uh, from the people of la ilaha illallah, it's not a good sign. It's a sign something's very wrong in the heart. So Rasulullah Wasallam narrates from the Lord uh, Most High, whoever makes an enemy of a friend of mine, I declare war on them. Uh, and then the next part is the munasabah from the from the bab, the reason that this uh, uh, this hadith is included in this chapter. وَمَا تَقَرَّبَ إِلَيَّ بِشَيْءٍ أَحَبَّ عَلَيْهِ That my, my slave will not come near to me, uh, uh, draw near to me through anything that is more beloved to me than that which I, uh, I made as a, an obligation on, on him. Meaning what? What's the greatest will and the greatest dhikr that a person will do of Allah Ta'ala? The first is, saying la ilaha illallah muhammad rasulullah by which you enter into the deen after that it's the, the oblig- obligatory salat anyone who thinks sitting in a tasbih and saying any other weird is uh, you know, more important and treats it as more important than the salat, that person doesn't understand the salat eclipses everything So by, by so much not by a little bit, by so much that the first question that is going to be asked on the day of judgment is what is about the salat and if the accounting of the salat goes well, it's a hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, that if the accounting of the salat goes well, then the rest of the accounting will go well. If the accounting of the salat doesn't go well, then the rest of it is not going to go well. Whoever wastes the salat, the other things are not going to make up for it. And whoever the salat is performed uh, with ihsan, it will help a person even if they have deficiencies in the other things. Abd nafs doesn't like hearing that. Why? Because كل جديد لذيذ, every new thing is sweet. So someone will come and say, oh, do this thing you weren't doing from before and you'll find like an excitement in it because you've never done it before. Whereas salat is the same like namaz that you've been like, you know, uh, uh, rushing through since the time you were a child. That Rasulullah ﷺ, he described the salat of the munafiq, that the munafiq is the person who waits till the last minute and then afterward like a, like a rooster, he just pecks the earth and then uh, gets done with it quickly. Like a mockery of the the the, the ruku and the sajda. If a person knew how much khair there was in the salat. A person's sins are all forgiven from making wudu alone. So imagine what the salat is. Uh, the salat is the greatest vehicle that a person will uh, get closer, the closeness of Allah through. And the the makama of the Sahaba radiAllahu is the is a tafsir of, of what the benefits of the salat are that there were people who knew how to pray two raka'ahs and get what they needed from Allah Ta'ala in this world and in the hereafter. The weird of the salat, Shahid Ismail Taala, one of the great ulama and mashayikh of this path, he mentioned, he said that the, the description of the spiritual path of the Sahaba, عنهم, and why they ascended to the rank that they did was what? Was that they used to recite the Qur'an in the prayer. They used to recite the Quran in the prayer. There, that was the generation of people that their tahajjud, sorry, their, their taraweeh used to break with the adhan of fajr. They would be so engrossed in it that the fajr would come and they wouldn't, uh, you know, they would be unaware. Uh, and this is one of the reasons a person might say, "Well, I don't know that much Quran." Well, maybe you should memorize some Quran. Uh, I don't know how to read the Quran. Maybe you should learn to read then. This is not me being an Arab supremacist. I also myself didn't know how to read Arabic until I was 18. I learned. And you guys can learn as well. And you don't have to go to the biggest Sheikh in the land in order to learn Alif Batata or Tajweed for that matter. Someone might say, how can I be engrossed in the prayer? I don't understand Arabic. Maybe you should learn Arabic. You can still get by without it, but if it's an important thing, if that's something that captures your imagination and you wish to have that thing for you, then, then, you know, maybe you should learn if it's going to help. Trust me, it helps a lot. It's not everything, it's not all it's cracked up to be, but it's a lot. And, uh, uh, you know, so this is what is Allah Ta'ala telling the Prophet wasallam that my slave doesn't come near to me by anything more beloved than the thing that I made as an obligation on, on, on him. So the, the prayer being done with Ihsan, which for the brothers includes going and attending the congregation, uh, 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 the the fast of Ramadan uh, the the paying of zakat, the Hajj of uh, uh, the Hajj of the house of Allah subhanahu wa taala, uh, taking care of your your children, taking care of your wife and your husband, taking care of your parents, uh, you know, taking care of those things that are obligations. Uh, these are these are the, the 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 you know they say that like eighty percent of what you do yields twenty percent of the results, and twenty percent of what you do yields 80% of the results. This is the 20% you do that yields 80% of the results. After this, there are only small gaps that are left that need to be filled in. So Rasulullah Wasallam, he said that Allah Ta'ala said that my slave doesn't draw nearer to me through anything more beloved to me than that which I made an, as an obligation on them. And then there's just a little bit left. He says, And then this is abdi bin And my slave keeps drawing nearer to me keeps drawing near to me even after that by doing those things that I didn't make an as, as an obligation on him right Nawafil, your sunnahs before and after the prayer right your naful sadaqat you're helping other people when you don't need to help them etc et all of these different things and these are these are there are many different paths to allah ta'ala through these the furud are known and established the rest of it if you're not super into salat but, you know, you have a good job and you make a lot of money, then give charity. Read your, read your, read your uh, uh, you know, read your, uh, your, your nawafil and things still. But, like, you know, use your charity in, in, in a way that maximizes the benefit and the reward. Uh, you know, if you're, if you're uh, you know, into fasting, then fast. If you're into the, you know, zikr, then make vicar. If you're into learning and teaching, uh, learn and teach. Do what you were made for. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, uh, uh, made you, uh, uh, you know, a certain way, then serve the way that He made you. Don't try to fight yourself. Uh, Try to uh, uh, benefit from what He gave you. If someone had a camel, how would they use it? Would they use it, uh, you know, to, I don't know, um, would they use it to, uh, uh, you know, try to fly? Would they use it to try to... Uh, you know, plant flowers. Would they use it to teach? You know, math at the local elementary school. No, it's a huge. It's like a beast, like the size of a dinosaur. You use it to carry burdens. You use it to ride. If Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, you know, if Stephen Hawking became a Muslim and he came in and like he has his machine and asked, "What should I do for the Ummah? What are you gonna do?" So there's a there's a the cafeteria in the Masjid. I want you to sell coffee there. No. It's so a misuse of, 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 of resources, of allocate, misallocation of resources. So as far as the, the Nawafil are concerned, pick from whatever paths that are chalked out in front of you that appeal to you and do it ex, in, in, in a way of excellence. And so Rasulullah wasallam said what? He said that, uh, uh, that my slave, after, after, after uh, doing what I obliged them to do, that my slave will keep drawing nearer and nearer to me, little by little, through those things that, that are extra, those optional acts. Uh, and they'll keep doing that until they cross a certain, uh, a certain limit. And uh, once they cross that limit, then I love them. Hatta <laughs> That a person becomes officially, the, the, per, the person becomes officially one of the people that Allah Ta'ala loves. This maqam and this station is the station of Allah Ta'ala's ridah. That Allah Ta'ala is pleased with them. And Allah Ta'ala gave the announcement in His book with regards to the Sahaba رضي anhum that they, they reached this station. And that's a station that's described by the Messenger of Allah وسلم, uh, with regards to the veterans of the Battle of Badr. So what do you know about the people who were present at the Battle of Badr that Allah Ta'ala didn't look inside of their hearts and say to them, do whatever you want after this day, you're forgiven. This is not just, a, this is not just something that happened one time. Rather, this is something that every generation, every people, uh, 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 and every individual, they strive for this. The only difference between them and us, I shouldn't say the only difference, the difference is uh, definitely in, in, in maqam, there's a difference there, but qualitatively the difference between them and us is that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, was around in order to inform them that they crossed this maqam. Whereas we don't know for sure, we just keep doing our, do, doing our, 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 our deeds and our worship, in the hope that we cross the line, maybe somebody crossed that line years ago. Everything else that they do is just a uh, bonus round for them. And maybe somebody will get to that line before they die, so maybe some, someone won't get to that. But that's, that's what the highest objective of Islam is, is to reach that, 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 that point where Allah Ta'ala says to the slave, this one, I love him, or I love her, this is a person, I love this person. And then what happens after that? Allah Ta'ala says what happens after that. says, says, when I have loved him, then I become the ears with which he hears and the sight with which he sees and the hand with which he grasps and the foot with which he walks. And if he asks me something, indeed I will give it to him. And if he seeks refuge in me, indeed I will uh, protect him from whatever he seeks refuge in me from. And in the, in, in the longer, the rest of the riwayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that there's nothing that I hesitate from more than my hesitation in taking a person's uh, soul in death, just because of how much I dislike doing <coughs> anything that that person would dislike. Now, obviously, Allah Taala the hesitation and all of these things; these are all metaphors. Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala does whatever He wills. He doesn't hesitate in anything that He does. But the idea is what is that Allah is cognizant. Allah Taala is cognizant of the fact that a person dislikes to die. But even then, uh, the way it's worded, it indicates that it's for the better. It's for for the betterment of the person. Uh, that he does these things, and there's a great chid in it for them. And if it wasn't, he wouldn't he he wouldn't have done that. If there wasn't something so much better than the life of this world for such a person who Allah loves, Allah would have let let him live forever. Uh, and so that's what the meaning. That's what the meaning of uh, of the hadith is. But the idea is, this is a very special maqam that a person who lives in this in in this state uh, in perpetuity. Uh, this is a very special maqam that a person has with Allah Ta'ala this is the highest objective of of a, of a person's having been created when a person crosses this line then indeed a human being's maqam becomes higher than that of the angels and uh, uh, it's it's something that, that, that gives life meaning in this world and it gives uh, uh, life uh, a great sweetness in the hereafter as well are there any questions? So we continue the tools of the spiritual trade, struggling with the nafs. Mujahada means struggling, a hard struggle with the nafs. It's the same, the same uh, uh, root as jihad, uh, that a person should imperil themselves in, in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Mujahada means to struggle, that a person struggles with their nafs. Um, the nafs want something and the person wants something else. You have to show the nafs who's boss. If you let it run you, you'll live like, like, life like an animal. Everything you, you see in front of you, you eat it. Every desire you see in front of you, you run after it. You no longer control your destiny. Rather, your destiny is is controlled by uh, is controlled by the, the the base desires in a person, and a person has no resemblance any longer to the angels. Rather, uh, um, they 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 become the uh, uh, they become just a you know a. a an, Less hairy form of an ape, uh, in in the things that they do, and uh, that's not that's not what Allah Ta'ala created us for. As Allah Ta'ala says in His book, "وَأَمَّا مَنْ خَافَ مَقَامَ رَبِّهِ وَنَهَا النَّفْسَ عَنِ الْهَوَى هِي As for the one who fears uh, standing in front of his Lord one day, um, and that person who uh, uh, forbids the nafs its every desire, uh, for that person, Jannah will be their uh, their eternal abode. Uh, meaning what? The sifa of the people who are in Jannah is what? That they forbid themselves a complete indulgence in their desires. So this is one of the things that our, you know, Shaykh al Mulana Ashraf Ali Tanwi rahimahullah ta'ala, he said that the, the point of mujahada is not the izala of a person's shahwat, rather the imala. Izala means that they should disappear. There is no such dhikr in the world which will make a, a man who is attracted to women not attracted to them anymore. There's no such dhikr in the world which is going to make you not like food anymore. There's no such dhikr in the world that's going to make a person not like wealth anymore. There are certain individuals who may not have those shahawat, and those are because of like psychological uh, uh, illnesses or or uh, physical uh, disabilities. And the point of the deen is not to be disabled. If it happens, it happens. Uh, but that's not the point of the deen. The point of the deen is what? Is that... A person should weaken their their desires, control on them, to the point that they yield. Those desires are created in you by Allah Taala on purpose. If he if he, you know he if he's the one that they came from, then there's some khair in them. Uh, and uh, the idea is that you know you shouldn't hate them so much, or you shouldn't uh, hate yourself for having them. And some desires are, you know, what we would say are unnatural. For the person, they may be natural because they are born that way, but they're unnatural, you know, compared to general society. Like the attraction that a man has for another man. Some people say that they're born with it. Some people say, no, that's not possible. What if they were born with it? What's, what's different then? Do you think what a heterosexual man is not attracted to women and doesn't have thoughts cross their mind of doing something haram with a woman all the time as well? The point is not to hate yourself. And this idea, this is some sort of like a folkloric Sufism that people spread amongst each other that there's, you know, if you make zikr enough or if you make make sure you eat halal and you're a pious person, that one day these desires will go away. And that's not true. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa they never left him. They never left the Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala In fact, someone came to say that Aisha radiallahu anha. And he said, oh, you know, uh, uh, how blessed was the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa Allah forgave him all of his sins already. Uh, 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 so, but you know, for me, I don't, you know, I fast all day and all night and I don't, uh, 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 and as for the other one says, as for me, I don't have relations with my wife and things like that. They said these things in front of the uh, Aisha radiallahu anha. And she chastised them for, for it. She said, the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa he had desires more than you did rather, but he was more in control of his desires than anyone. And he didn't do what you're doing. He some fasted some days and he ate some days. And he uh, spent some night, part of the night in tahajjud, and he spent some night uh, with, his, uh, with his wives. The idea is that you have to bring the desires to heal to the point where they obey you. And it's not the relationship is that they obey you, you don't obey them. Otherwise, if they were evil, right... So there are certain pleasures in Jannah. Will uh, uh, men and women have the indulgence of their uh, uh, carnal desires in Jannah? Yes, right. Many people find this very strange. Christians, especially, like I, whenever I go to interfaith dialogues, Christian men, middle-aged and old men, have a, always like you freak out about this, uh, and uh, uh, I'm like, yo, man, you know, if you want to play the harp and read the Bible. Uh, you would consider that to be like a jail sentence in this world. Why would Allah ta'ala make a paradise for you in which you do those things that you, uh, you know, hate anyway in this world? Uh, rather, there's a usuli discussion amongst the ulama with regards to Jannah that which pleasures will be there in Jannah and which ones won't be there. So in Jannah, will a person be able to rob a liquor store or brutally murder other people? No, because these are considered sicknesses. There are people who have desires for these things as well. There are people who have desires for to commit violence on other people. Those people, if they restrain themselves from acting on their desires, then what will happen? Allah will cure them of them in the hereafter. But there are certain desires that are natural that, that a person has. Those ones will actually be indulged in Jannah. So yes, people may not be robbing liquor stores and shooting each other and stabbing one, shanking one another like you know, like a bad prison movie, blood in, blood out or whatever. And like it's not that's not how it's gonna be because those things are ugly things. Uh, but there are certain desires that a person have that are natural. Those desires will be indulged in a way that they're not indulged in this world. Why? Because they're not evil things. The maqsad of the sharia is not to kill you and like make you into a, a person who is uh, abnormal and unnatural. There's no zikr that does that. The point of it is not to get rid of these desires completely. The people who think that they do end up abusing altar boys. It's not possible when it does happen it's wrong and when a person thinks it happened but it didn't happen it goes even more wrong. Rather it's to bring the desires to heal that they should be indulged in a lawful way and that they don't get the upper hand over you. Otherwise it's a sunnah to get married. It's a sunnah to eat food and to say bismillah before you. If it was an evil thing why would you say bismillah in the name of Allah before doing it? And why would you say alhamdulillah when you're done? Is a person you know carrying out human sacrifices? Just say Bismillah when you're be, when you begin, and then say Alhamdulillah when you're done, and it's it's all good. No, that's not because it's wrong. You don't do that. So these things are not these things are not uh, evil things, but you have to struggle against yourself so that they don't get the upper hand over you. So Sayyidina Anas ta'ala anhu, He narrates the Nabi sallallahu عَنْ رَبِّهِ تَبَارَكَ وَتَعَالَى shibran, uh, ba'an It's a really beautiful hadith. There's so much hope in it. Especially for a person who finds themselves in a, in, in in despair with regards to their salook to Allah Ta'ala. That Sayyidina Anas bin Malik radiallahu anhu says that the Prophet ﷺ said, uh, from those things that he narrates from his Lord, mighty and majestic is he. That my, Allah ta'ala said, my slave, if he comes to me a hand's breath, I come to him a cubit. So the hand's breath is from the, the, tip, the tip of the middle finger until the wrist. And the cubit is from the tip of the middle finger until the, the elbow. That if my slave comes to me a hand's breath, I come to him a cubit. And if my slave comes to me a cubit, I, comes to him, I come to him an arm span. And if he comes to me walking, I come to him running. What's the, what's the idea? The idea is like sa'i, right? You know sa'i from Hajj and from Umrah, and going back and forth between Safa and Marwa. The Sayyidina Hajar alayhi she went looking for the water. It's not like she just sat there and said, Allah will bring it to me. He could have. Sometimes he does actually. But that's not the sunnah. The sunnah is you go look for the water and you ask Allah Ta'ala. So she's making dua, going back and forth between Safa and Marwa, trying to see from the hill in the distance if there's any caravan or if there's any 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 spring or something she didn't notice. And so she went back and forth uh, 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 seven times. And then when she put the child down, Sayyidina Ismail a.s., the zamzam came out from where his, where his uh, heel hit the floor. And zamzam is onomatopoeia. Meaning the well is named after the sound of the water gushing out from it. The zumzambed out of the out of the ground literally, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so did the sa'i produce the water? Absolutely not. It's completely something Allah Ta gave. But Allah Ta wants to see wants to see you also struggle for it as well. There's khair in it for you in that struggle. And when you're doing that struggle, imagine, right? When we go, we're like, oh, we're gonna go to the clock tower and eat a buffet afterward, or God knows what other, you know, like type things people say now, right? We're, there's nothing on the line for us. There's nothing at stake for us. Well, really, there's our whole like after, but nobody thinks about that. Like, yo, I'm pious. Look, I'm in haram. I'm going to, I'm going to Hajj, son. I'm going to Jannah, right? There's nothing at stake for you. Imagine they're like gonna, they're gonna die of thirst. When you're in round six of going back and forth and you're going to die of thirst, you're like, wow, we really, there's nothing left for us anymore. But it doesn't mean that you give up hope. If you die, you die trying. This is one of the sicknesses of the age that we live in. This age is filled with despair. We're the biggest self-esteem self, self generation of like the entire mankind we pump ourselves and pump each other up and tell each other about, oh, don't ever give up hope, and you you know, you can succeed, and you can be anything. And... But the, 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 the spiritual world is opposite of the, of the physical world. We say these things to each other, it betrays our, our, complete, uh, our complete insecurity. Why? Because we're the ones, in the slightest setback, we're the first ones to give up. When the slightest setback, we're the first ones to give up young man, mashallah, you know, proposes marriage to a girl, and she says no, and this guy is like gone, he's going to live like a monk for the next like seven years, why? Because he failed. Someone, you know, uh, tried in school and they failed, and lo, I'm not going to be anything anymore, and I may as well just give up, you know, someone tries something in the deen, they have some sort of setback, and then khalas, you don't see them at dars anymore, you don't see them in the majlis anymore, they stop making dhikr, some people stop praying, you know, you see something happens in life, and it's a setback, and people give up. And I apologize. Maybe some of the like the the examples I give are like <laughs> examples that that like I, I come across, and maybe the examples in your life are different. Ideas, a setback happens, and people just give up. And uh, uh, you know, the sunnah is what that even if you go down, Allah Ta'ala is pleased with the one who goes down trying. He's not pleased with the one who gives up. There's, I shouldn't say that. There's still some khair in that person. But the, the, the superiority is manifest for the one who goes down trying. Look, what is the example of the battle of Uhud? When the people, when the Sahaba whom thought that the Prophet وسلم, uh, uh, was killed, some of them, they, they it broke their hearts so badly, they just like wandered off, like dazed, wandered off of the battlefield. Some of them kept fighting. Allah Ta'ala said there's khair in both of them, but which group was superior? The one that kept fighting. 9-11 happened. Ooh. It was like a magic act. Beards and hijabs like disappeared overnight. Like a a magic trick. Now you see it, now you don't. Right? The Friday after, after September 11th, right? It was a Tuesday. That Friday, people didn't go to the masjid. There are some people who stopped going to the masjid for months. Alhamdulillah, they go again now. Now they like run for election in the masjid board and things like that and are judgmental and yell at people. They forgot. They're the ones who abandoned, who abandoned the masjid and fled. Khair, we won't hold it against them. We won't call them out by name. But the thing is this, is that what? Are you going to be the one who's going to... Like when the going gets tough, you're going to bounce? Or you're going to start having, you know, while everything is going good, you're going to say, oh, Allah is mashallah, alhamdulillah, mashallah, and Allah is so this and that. And then when things uh, get tough, you're going to say, oh, why me? And, you know, I don't know if Allah exists anymore and this and that and the other thing. It's not easy. That's, it's really, it's not easy. Those are the times when it's difficult to hold on to the deen. Those are the times that a person in one day will make the progress that they wouldn't have made in 40 years. There's are some very strange tests, personal matters between husband and wife, between parents and children, in the job, in work, things like that. You will sometimes, you will receive more spiritual progress in certain mundane tests than you will in years of worship. The years of worship prepare you to be able to uh, survive those, those types of tests. Uh, the idea is this, is that what? Is that you know, a hadith like this, they give a person hope that when you're struggling, when you're struggling, even the little bit that you do that looks like nothing in your, in your, uh, uh, in your life. right? I know some people, they've gone through so much difficulty. They say, Shaykh, I have a hard time uh, praying. I can't even bring myself to make wudu and pray. Maybe if you're in a state like that, forcing yourself, make mujahada, the habit that a person has to oppose their own nafs. Forcing yourself to go and make wudu, forcing yourself to go and pray. Forcing yourself to pray your sunnahs. Forcing yourself to return the salam of the person you don't want to return their salam. Forcing yourself to go to the masjid for jumu'ah. Forcing yourself to do all of these things. Sometimes there's more barakah in those uh, one act of worship than if you were to enjoy it, to do it for for, for a whole lifetime. That's where the openings come from. You don't see the opening in this world, you see it when? In the hereafter sometimes. Sometimes you'll go through a whole life like that, imagine that you see this like for, and I say this you know really uh, not to be negative it's not good to be like unnecessarily negative but also it's not good to keep your head in the ground you should be objective our deen is in a really bad state we give up hope so quickly one of the things that we should uh, take inspiration from you see the, the refugees for example from Burma I mean, their villages are burned down, people are, women are raped, people are shot, people are tortured, people are, you know, all sorts of things, bad things happen. You see people like carrying their, their elders on their backs, literally carrying children with them and things like that. You know, what, what do these people do? What do these people do? You see like in the jungle, like they're halfway between Burma and between Bangladesh, in the jungle, the, the teachers still gather their, their students and they still have the HIFS class. Why? Because you're not going to take their deen away from them so easily. Can you imagine a kid, you know, the ustad teaching his children, the, the the students, and the students uh, 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 learning from the ustad? How much rahma of allah ta'ala comes down on, on that on that that gathering anyway? And can you imagine in such a, a, a abject like dif- difficulty? Uh, in such a horrible circumstance that those people still, they have the himmah to get together and, uh, 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 you know, uh, to, 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 to continue with the, the task of preserving the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Some of them don't even have shirts on their back. That's how, how how bad their situations are. You see people walking through the jungle's bare feet. But their fikr is not for their shoes. Their fikr is what? For the, their deen. Right? That's the spirit that's the spirit that makes a person think there's still khair in the ummah of the Prophet sallallahu And there are people amongst us that have it in, a, in them as well. They're human beings, you're human beings as well. We just have really bad company and bad examples. So take the example from those people and be like them, even though nobody else in your circle is, even though nobody else even in this room is, even if I myself am not like that. You say, oh, this guy's talking about things, I know his life, he's not like that himself. That's fine. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't benefit from it. That you shouldn't uh, uh, uphold that standard. That what if the slave comes to me walking, I come to him running. Uh, there's 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 always hope. Giving up hope in itself is an insult to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. That's worse than drinking and committing zina. Why? Because Allah Taala the door is open all the time. He says if he comes, to, my slave comes to me walking, I come to him running. There's never any reason to give up hope. Wa ta'ala anhu. Rasulullah صلى الله عليه وسلم قال, حجبت النار بالشهوات وهجبت الجنة بالمكارح متفق عليه وفي رواية المسلم حفّت بدل حجبت وهو بمعناه أي بينه Hijabu بينها هذا الحجاب فإذا فعله دخلها so this is the last hadith this is a hadith inshallah the last hadith in this chapter before we take a break it's a very simple hadith um, and it's unfortunately not like in line with the feel-good televangelist, Islam evangelist uh, 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 way. But Rasulullah Sallam said it, and it's true. So you know, make friends with it, and you'll benefit. Run away from it, and you harm nobody but yourself. I harm nobody but myself. He said Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that the hijab of the of uh, 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 of uh, the hellfire is desires. What is hijab? Woman's wearing hijab. You don't see her body. You see the cloth that she's wearing outside of it, right, so what do you, the the, the hellfire, what's the, the hijab of the hellfire, is desires, from where we're standing, you see, oh look, beautiful face, beautiful life, beautiful car, beautiful house, uh, 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 a comfortable living, uh, love and, uh, 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 you know, enjoyment and happiness and ecstasy and bliss, all of these things is all we see, right, so just like the woman that you're attracted to or the man you're attracted to, you come closer and closer and closer to the one that you love and that you're infatuated with and that you're head over heels in love with and it calls you with open arms and you embrace. And once you embrace, you realize this is Jahannam and it doesn't let you go. And what's the hijab of, uh, of Jannah? The hijab of Jannah is things that people dislike. It's waking up early in the morning. It's making wudu from cold water. During the winter, it's staying in the masjid from one salat to the next. It's saving money instead of spending money. It's living modestly and not taking on debt, even though everybody else is buying everything on payments. It's uh, you know, it's it's uh, you know, making it to the masjid you know as many times a day as you're able to. It's sitting on the floor as a child. Anyone here, hafiz? Right? It, you must have at some point or another thought like how bogus it is that other other kids are sitting at home playing PlayStation and like Qari Saab is about to like beat you for like not having memorized a surah that your parents didn't even memorize. If it didn't occur to you then you're not very intelligent. It's fine. That happens too sometimes. Kids like, kids kids like, it, it occurs to them. Why is it that the Quran has become like a curse or a punishment on my shoulders? Why? Because the hijab of Jannah is what? It's all those things that a person, a normal nafs would dislike. Because the maqam of the person who spends their life reciting the book of Allah Ta'ala, is not like the maqam of the person who doesn't. Everything everything that's worth having, you're going to have to make mujahada. Your nafs is going to not like it. You're going to have to uh, make mujahada against your nafs in order to receive it. That's just the way Allah Ta'ala made this thing anyone who tells you otherwise is lying to you. Anyone who tells you otherwise is is lying to you it's like a you know like a a, a, a wrong looking like dude like you know when t- trying to lure like a, a seven-year-old girl into the back of his van no, it's wrong don't don't listen just run away there's no head in it whatsoever. Allah's mercy is there for everybody and Allah ta'ala will forgive people but if you want to make any 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 progress, uh, rather than, than than just you know somehow depending on Allah subhanahu wa taala forgiving you, it has to be through what? It has to be through struggling against your own desires. Again, what did we say? The point is not that your desires will disappear one day. You just have to struggle against them enough to bring them to heal, so that they follow your command and not the other way around. That you don't follow their command. But without that, it, nothing. None of this is possible. You're not going to go anywhere. You're not going to do anything, right? What is it? Well, how do you train a train a dog? If the, you know, if the dog jumps onto the table and eats like uh, everything at the master's table, what's going to happen? They're going to euthanize the dog. I mean, if it can't learn that this is where you're going to eat from, it's going to have a bad end. However, the exact same example, the exact same example if you tell somebody you can eat this and you can't eat that. It's not even a metaphor for anything. Oh, we freak out. We're like, who is this guy to tell us what to eat and not, not to eat? This is like the mujahada of animals. You don't have to be a hum- you don't have to be a human being to make this mujahada The animals learn this. That's the difference. That's why they let the seeing eye dog onto the airplane and they don't let like a stray dog onto the airplane. Why? Because it made a little bit of mujahada that learned a lesson. Uh, if you want to make a, a progress, we have to go through these things. Embrace it. Don't don't uh, uh, don't feel bad about it. Don't feel depressed about it. Uh, this is why good company is such a blessing. If other people, you're going through it with them, you make a culture of embracing this thing as a positive thing. And then you see other people. Uh, this is one really interesting thing about schooling in America is that traditionally uh, people were segregated by gender, not by age. In America, they're, they're segregated by age, but not by gender. If you don't see people who are further along the path than you, and then you're not going to be able to learn how you get there. That's why generally I have four kids, you know, the, the lesson that took X amount of time for the first kid, it took less and less time for every progressive child afterward. Because they learn from each other more than they learn from you saying stuff. Right? Uh, uh, if there are people who are further along the path than you, you learn because you see what they're going through when you get to that maqam, you'll know how to, how, to, how to bypass their mistakes and you'll know what worked for them. And if you have other people who are not as far along as you, You'll be able to see their mistakes and what the ill uh, uh, effects of them are in order to avoid them. And you'll also be able to give them some guidance as well. So keep the company of good people. If you keep the company of people who indulge their every desire all the time, then the shahwat will look attractive to you. What are the shahwat? That's just a hijab. What's inside the hijab? Jahannam. It's bad. a nightmare. You thought she was beautiful, you lifted the veil up and you say, oh my God, this is horrible, this is like the worst thing in the world. And then the Jannah, right, what is the hijab? Makarih, those things that a person finds distasteful and, and, and difficult. But if you keep the company of the people who struggle against their own uh, nufus, then also it makes it easier as well which is which is somewhat of a short shortcut and then you see the fruits of it in them right if you keep the company of educated people then someone graduates before you they get a job you see okay there's this, this is not like complete bogusness there's something at the end of this right Whereas if you, uh, uh, if you were to do it on your own, you may have lost hope and given up hope and been despondent uh, quicker. If you're alone, Allah Ta'ala made you alone in, in, because of His decision for you, that's fine as well. Keep, keep struggling. But if you have the opportunity to be with good company, then it helps out a lot. But the point of, it, p- point of this is what? Is that just you know, stop, running, stop being lazy. Stop running away from, from struggle. There's no point to it. It's distasteful. Don't be, don't be lazy. Uh, don't run away from struggle oh it's so hard it's so difficult it's so hard this type of whining it's a sign that, that 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 it's a sign that a person has like a lot of bogusness inside even if that's you I'm you know I'm a particularly lazy guy oftentimes I won't say the lazy thoughts I have inside of my heart why because if you can't make it then at least fake it till you make it inshallah it will be fake in the beginning eventually it will turn into a habit This is the fadl of Allah Ta'ala for the person who keeps struggling. Allah Ta'ala give all of us tilfuk inshallah. Where's the...